I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Real spoilers powered by ReviewSTL.com. Warning, the following film discussion will ruin the ending of any movie you haven't seen. Example, Bruce Willis is dead at the end of The Sixth Sense. See how I ruined it for you? Just like that. Here are a few more. Silent Breed is people! Real spoilers. You've been warned. Broadcasting from the lush but not lavish studios located in the basement of the O'Keefe Institute for Advanced Film Snarkitude, this is Real Spoilers, episode 581, The Blues Brothers. How about that? Which, uh, before before you get too excited about The Blues Brothers, (laughs) with our current format, that means, uh... Coming up next is the Blues Brothers 2000. So. Yeah, yeah, it's not. It, do, it doesn't bode well. This is not to have a good ending. Yes, much like the Blues Brothers 2000. Sometimes you got to take the good with the bad. Sometimes you got to take the good with the mediocre. So and, well, and here we are. Here we are. So uh, we, we, you have all three. You have the Blues Brothers, which is good. You have Blues Brothers 2000, which is bad, and you have us, which is mediocre. <laughs> yeah. So let's. I think uh, we're a little on the upper side of mediocre, maybe. <laughs> let's. Uh, so let's go around the virtual table, and everyone can introduce themselves. This is Joe. This is Kevin. And this is Tom. Quick, shameless plugs. Don't forget, we're available on Apple Podcasts. You can go there, rate, review, subscribe. Uh, be sure and subscribe so you never miss an episode. Wherever you're getting your podcast from, you should be able to find us. Whether it's iHeart or Spotify or Stitcher or Spreaker, as Kevin likes to say, likes me to Thank say. Thank you. Uh, you. You. It's been a be while. Able... I haven't heard that word. I know. In a while. <laughs> so you should be able to find us if you find us on a platform where you're not finding us. Let us know so we can be <laughs> found. Yeah, that's that's Think how we... we can fix it. We'll fix it. So also uh, check out our Facebook page, facebook.com slash real spoilers. While you're there, like the page, join the group. The group is much more communal and friendly. You should give that a shot. <laughs> and uh, of course, our Patreon, patreon.com slash real spoilers, where for five bucks a month, uh, you can help us out and we greatly appreciate it. So uh, there is all of that. Let's tackle the Blues Brothers. Do you want to do the League of Show Shares? Oh, Jesus Christ. I even wrote them up. Like some weeks I forget to do them. I forgot to do the League of Show Shares. Thank you, Joe. That was, that was the awkward yeah. silence. So, sure, yeah, sure. You, when, you're on, when you're on our Facebook page, if you would share an episode, that would be amazing. And you could join the League of Show Shares. People who were kind enough to share the show this week, uh, Dustin at Nerds at Night Gaming, Chris Valls, uh, Carl Clarkson, Griffin Foxsmith, Ralph Tribble, Brent Smith, uh, Lane LeVanway, Julianne Jordan, Chris Williams, Tammy Sherman Powers, Travis T. With. Tewitt, Heather Sachs, Ron Johnson, Jason Lafferty, Gabriel Lugo, Chris Magicman, Dylan A. Lang, Douglas Bulldock, Chris Sanders, and Susan Carlson. So thank you very much, uh, gender neutral guys, for. Uh, are there two new sure. ones in there? There are. I believe Chris Valls is new and Jason Lafferty. Oh, that's awesome. Welcome to the group. Yeah. And I also saw my friend Jeff Michael shared the uh, Gremlins 2 show, and so maybe his privacy settings don't show up, but I saw he shared it. So thanks, Jeff. Yes, thank you. Uh, Yeah, if you're depending on how your privacy settings are, like sometimes I won't be able to see you. So if you've been sharing, and uh, we haven't said this for a while, if you've been sharing and and you're not hearing your name, it's because I can't see it. So you either need to adjust your privacy settings or send me a friend request at facebook.com slash Tom O'Keefe and then uh, and then you will pop up on my Facebook page when you share said episode so there ha nah. so yeah Chris Chris Vall's got a little little inside baseball treatment because yeah because he shared gremlins and he was like really want to hear my name in gremlins too and it's like yeah so about well, that 
Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, we we typically record two at a time, so that's why you only hear the show sharers every other episode. There's there's a little peeling back the curtain. Yeah, even more peeling back. Yeah, if we uh, peel it back much. Yeah, if we peel back much more, everyone will know that Joe doesn't wear pants. <laughs> well, when now that we're at home, right. Right, yeah. that's that. That's bull. Yeah, it's, you know, I wear pants all night. I'm not wearing pants <laughs> more. One of the perks. So, yeah. uh, the Blues Brothers. So, this, uh, I guess this is was the first official SNL spinoff film, right? The first hmm. film that grew out of an SNL character. So, SNL at this point in time had already flexed their muscle at the box office because people felt like, like Animal House was very much oh. an SNL driven film even though it really was o- it well i mean it had belushi but it but it was also it was written by a lot you know it was created and by a lot of uh national lampoon writers who sure. who had kind of discovered a lot you know a lot of those early um SNL cast members had not, had obviously come out of Second City, but they had also been in a touring group called National Lampoon's Lemmings. And so people who had been in the Lemmings would be like Belushi and Chevy Chase and uh, uh, Bill Murray, Brian Doyle Murray. Um, there, there's a lot of people that were in the Lemmings, Gilda Radner, that would go on to be in on SNL. Sure. And so... Um, and Animal House was, I mean, you just cannot overstate how big of a hit it was and how much of a surprise it was. Like, nobody saw that movie becoming the juggernaut that it was. And so then after that, people were clamoring for like, oh, this is the new generation of comedians. In much the same way, but I, I would argue in a larger sense, in much the same way when... Uh, when a forty-year-old virgin took yeah, off. Yeah, I was going to say that's yep. yep and yep, then yep. everybody wanted that kind of comedy. That's what happened with with Animal House. Was then, I feel like old school is that movie. I feel like old school is like the beginning of that. Yeah, I mean, I could. It's like a. It's it's kind of a bridge between those two worlds. You know what I mean? Yeah. Don't you think? I like, don't it's, think old school had the popularity of forty-year-old virgin, though. Oh, I think it did. Uh, it was I, a hit, certainly, but I don't think it was like a cultural it it tapped into the cultural zeitgeist in quite the same way 40-year-old virgin did. Yeah. Personally. I don't think so. Yeah. And are you you are you think I mean people still say I'm going like the the whole I'm going streaking line is still a line. Well, they can say anything they want, but it doesn't mean <laughs> so old school old school made 87 million dollars and 40-year-old virgin made 177 million dollars. Yeah, but but my point was is old school is the Old school is the blade of these movies. Old school is the one that said, oh, these are marketable. People like these. They like the people that are in them. I mean, those guys went on to do what? It was old school and uh, Wedding Crashers. And uh, wasn't there another one? There was another one. I can't remember. They did a, th- those guys did a bunch of movies together. Yeah, because didn't they do like, uh, did they end up doing like Starsky and Hutch? And Yeah, that was definitely Ben Stiller and Owen Wilson. But th- this is like the Vince Vaughn, uh, the breakup was them, was like those John Favreau, those guys. And then yeah. there was the the Judd Aptow stuff, which was undeniable. And then that kind of spun into the uh, who's the Todd Phillips stuff. So like there was the like, these three different like no I wouldn't call them genres but like three different styles of like those rated yeah. R comedies. Well, Todd Phillips did old school. That's old school, yeah. yeah. So oh, I mean, that's true. That's yeah, right. That's so, right. I don't know why I was thinking that was yeah Judd Apatow. And a lot of times, yeah. a quick uh, a a quick shorthand to figure out which camp it is if if it's got Dan Finnerty and the Dan Band in it, it's that's one of those yeah. movies. You know what I mean? Because he's in <laughs> yeah, old school. Right, he's right, in right. Starsky and Hutch. He has a song in the soundtrack for the first Hangover. I feel like there's a third one that he pops up in. But but he's in uh, Wedding Crashers. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. It, and old school. Right. Well, yeah. Old school is what really kind of got him noticed because he that they're doing the Total Eclipse of the Heart, which is so yeah. good. But but um but I really feel like that was a bridge because um like old school is funny, but it's a little bit more. I would consider dodgeballs in that world. Um, yeah. Where Apatow was more like it would be raunchy, but but it also had like kind of this sentimentality about it that you don't There's a heart to it. Yeah, that you don't really get from old school. But anyway, uh, um, 
but Animal House is like just basically like was just lit a stick of dynamite under Hollywood, and then everybody won. And and you would see kind of two movies. You would see movies that had SNL cast members in them that were trying to replicate what Animal House did, and then you would see movies that just thought, well, let's just be raunchy and zany, and that's enough. And that's where you would get the you know Porkies and Ski and Patrol and well no Meatballs I mean it's got it's got SNL pedigree it's got it's got yeah. Bill Murray it's got and it's not necessarily SNL but he gets pulled into this world it's directed by Ivan Reitman it's written by Harold Ramis so it's definitely oh that's true it's definitely got that that SNL Second City it basically comedy got went away from being written by joke writers and and got taken over by sketch and improv. Right, like funny writers. Yeah, no, I mean it's just a different kind of funny, you know. <laughs> yeah, I get it. And it it's is more, a different kind of funny. Yeah, and it's much. more organic. There's so much, so many of those kind of jokes that you can't necessarily write. Like they, they kind of come out of your head as as you're as you're playing with other people, right? You know, right, right, right. And and uh, and you would see that a lot on Caddyshack. I mean, you know, like some of it's oh, written, man. but a lot of it's just. It's it's made up on the spot or they use that as you know, they use what was on the page as a, as a starting point and then they just go crazy. Go. Yeah. So. So. Uh, so, yeah, Blues Brothers um, comes at a time when Belushi's career is trending downward. Right. He had just done. Yeah. Uh, him and Aykroyd had both just left SNL. So they were no longer cast members. Uh Belushi was going to go be a big movie star and and teams up with the hottest director in Hollywood, Steven Spielberg, to make what is arguably his worst film, nineteen forty one. And and yeah. I, I, if it's it, it's one of his most critically reviled films, and it's also but I so but that's subjective. But I think it's still to this day probably his biggest box office failure. And Spielberg or Belushi, Spielberg. Well, sure. probably Belushi as well. Although Neighbors really tanked, but it didn't cost as much. But uh, so, but so he was he was struggling. So he, you know, so nobody really knew what to make of this movie. It was it was a it was a one joke sketch on on SNL. It evolved out of kind of two separate sketches, right? So um, the look of it uh, evolved out of Aykroyd and Belushi playing. Um, uh, bodyguards for Chevy Chase's version of Gerald Ford. They would wear the suits right. and the sunglasses and have a briefcase. But the musical portion of it originally began life. They were dressed up as the bees from the famous Killer Bee sketch that they did on SNL. Oh. So the first time you see the Blues Brothers perform as a musical act, they are dressed as bees. And then at some <laughs> point, those two things kind of merge. I believe it was the uh, musical director of SNL at the time. I think his name's Howard Shore. Was like, uh, was like, oh, we, you know, like you should look like this, but do that. But even then, they they never really told you on SNL. They never they never really used them in a sketch. They would just come out and perform songs. Kind of that's the best part. Yeah, with kind of no explanation. And mm. and uh, but but they were huge. I mean, I don't I don't know that a lot of people realize, especially younger people, realize that like the Blues Brothers' success predates the movie. And it wasn't just uh, limited to they were characters on SNL that people liked. I mean, you like know, they, albums and stuff. They had a, a, a briefcase full of blues came out in 1978 and, and went to number one on the charts, produced uh, at least one top 20 single, their version of Soul Man. Uh, mm hmm. So they were they were they were a, a viable touring entity. They were touring and playing, and people were going to see them. And I really? also think, uh, like Aykroyd, um, kind of gets credit for the blues revival. Like part of the reason he wanted to do this was because he loved the blues, but the mm. blues were very much in a fallow period. Like, like oh. mo most of these blues musicians were playing like rundown bars. Like they weren't like. Nowadays they're considered legends, but at the at that moment in time, like music had really moved on, and I feel like Blues Brothers two thousand 
helped uh, put it back in the grave. Yeah, I know, right? Like it's <laughs> yeah, yeah. And but uh, let's. Well, clearly they were all available to do a movie. So <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. Let's not get a, well. That were, they weren't all available. There was no John Candy or Belushi or Cab Calloway. Yeah, right. But, uh, right, right. <laughs> no, but uh, but most of the blues musicians were uh, yeah. more than happy to do these movies. I uh, <laughs> so yeah. So they were. I mean, most of. I think by the second one, they wanted to be in it because the first one was so big, and so it felt like a badge sure. of honor. Yeah. Like if oh, if yeah. you weren't in the movie, you didn't count. And where so, but that first one was basically just Ackroyd picking his favorite guys and putting. And that's in, what exactly what he did. And putting them in a movie and basically picking them up from you know the ash yeah. can of history and dusting them off and making them relevant again. It's also there's also then been kind of a twist. Uh, back where people are like you know there's and I, and I feel like you feel this more in the second one like the first one is like about a love of this and the second one becomes almost like a condescending fetishization of it you know yeah it's weird like the the first one is definitely it's an interesting movie because it's a road movie but it's also a musical it's also right. a comedy so it's got it, it, it ticks like all these different boxes where and, and an felt, action movie and actually, oh, without question, yeah, yeah, big time. Where the second one, I agree, it feels like it's make almost making fun of the first one. It's almost like a parody of the first one. I mean, and and we don't want to get ahead of ourselves, but the second no, one no, no, is no. basically just a remake of the first right. one in a lot of ways. Yeah, in a lot it's of very frustrating movie. ways. Yeah. yeah, but um, but 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 more offensive. Yeah, and just the, you know, yeah, just lazier. But uh, yeah. Anyway, so so back to this one. So uh so yeah, so when this movie came out, like people didn't uh they they did not know what to expect and it was a very troubled production, a famously yeah, yeah, troubled yep. production and went infamously over budget and they basically destroyed downtown Chicago filming it. They cost <laughs> the mayor How they did some of that stuff. I they just is, did it. Is flabbergasting. They just <laughs> did it. Yeah. that's that's some like punk rock filmmaking where so yeah. Landis is coming off of Animal House like two years prior and he like I just feel like he kind of had like this punk rock attitude where he's just like we're just gonna do it and if it works great and if it doesn't work you know not saying that he didn't care about his career but you know he's all I think he'd put out Kentucky Fried Movie and Schlock at that point right so like he wasn't his career wasn't exact. I mean, Animal House was a career defining moment. So it's like, but it wasn't like he had a career to lose at that point. Well, yeah. So if you don't just, have a future. I'm sure he wanted a future in Hollywood, though. Yeah, so I mean, he was a hot director. I mean, I'm, sure that, I'm sure that he did, but at the same time, he's still so new. He's just like, let's just go for it and see what happens. I think a lot of it was he was so new. He didn't always know how the toes he was stepping on so he better be right true. and he ended up being yeah. right but he was a hot director i mean he had been attached b coming into this movie he had been attached to uh lily tomlin's the incredible shrinking woman now that movie ended up not being all that big of a deal and it's kind of been lost to time and you look at it and you go belushi Ackroyd or lily tomlin who cares but Lily Tomlin was a very, very big deal yeah. at this point in time. She had uh, television specials that were huge. She had been on uh, on a very ses successful ske sketch show as well called Laughing. And and honestly, they probably would have considered her the bigger star because her show was in prime time, where you know SNL was literally the not ready for prime time player. So <laughs> on paper, that's the bigger, safer movie it's the bigger safer movie star or potential for being a movie star so for for landis to leave that to come do this uh i mean th that you know that in and of itself a, was a, it's bit a of bold a move yeah yeah big time big time so how much did they cost the city of chicago tom you were saying something when joe cut oh in? what i was gonna, no i was gonna say that they cost the mayor of chicago her re-election bid like oh, she wow. had signed oh, off oh, on this and then they had done, they had just done so much disruption to Chicago. Oh. People were mad at her. And a lot of people credit <laughs> that with being why she didn't win re-election. Well, it's, I hope they didn't watch this movie then. Well, you know what? The, yeah. I, the irony is, is now this is probably the, like the most like 
iconic Chicago movie right. ever made, even more so than Easily. Chicago. Easily. Like, and they have statues to these guys, and they wear this movie like a badge oh, of honor. But say, at the time, yeah. like, they were just like, we can't believe you're letting them drive cars through Daly Plaza. <laughs> and, like, yeah. they were just doing so much destruction throughout the city of Chicago that, that people just got sick of it. You know? Yeah, I love seeing it though. I, all those landmarks. I mean, as someone yeah. you know, we live only five hours from Chicago here in St. Louis, and I always love to do weekend trips there, and it's a fun place. And to be able to see all these landmarks, and especially have it be a time capsule of a time before I ever went there, it's really neat to see. There's a look to this movie that I don't. We will never see again. Like there is a there is a grit and grime to this movie. Absolutely, that we'll never see and. And I think that's a the the lack of that is a lot of what makes Blues Brothers two thousand not work. I agree. This movie agree. has They're... this kind of lived in like tan- you can just feel the grime on this movie in a good way. Mm-hmm. And and there's none of that in the second. Absolutely no. It's none very of it. clean. It's, it's too it looks, polished. It looks like a made-for-TV movie. Yeah. yeah. there's yeah. yeah, we talk about that when, when a movie is just too clean and too polished and it doesn't look real. And this movie looks like a lot of the movies that were filmed in 70s, 80s New York where you get that dirty, grimy, lived-in feel. And, yeah, you you miss something with that one. But, um, yeah, it, it's, a, it's an interesting movie. I had never seen it before. Really? You'd never seen Blues Brothers before? No, I mean, I'd seen the SNL skits, but, I mean, I just never got around to seeing the movie. No, I get it. We all have those those things that get get by us, but uh, yeah, I just it's such a big movie. It surprises me. Yeah, that is that is very. I didn't. Uh, okay, that's a very yeah. interesting move. I don't really too, care though. about blues music. I mean, yeah, I, it, it I doesn't get really it. do much for me. I don't. I, 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 I'm the know? same way. I'm the same way. I don't either. And I think that the song selection in this movie is perfect. Yeah, like you don't like these are the these are the kind of blues songs that you don't have to like the blues to enjoy. Right. Um. And and they do such a good job of making these guys just cool. Like they, I don't, those I, two are what saved the movie. Is in if it was just a movie about blues music, it wouldn't right. be that interesting to me. Um, their charisma, their friendship, just their their characters are so interesting and quirky. Yeah, I mean, they really these two make it, and I think. I think it's clear it's it's hard not to get into the second one, but we're going to end up talking about one <laughs> right. of the missing elements of the second one. Sure. That's apparent. And so it's these two guys are what make, you know, as, as great as some of the actors are in the second one. It's just like this chemistry is what made this movie enjoyable. And uh, yeah, so there I, I did like their dynamic for sure. It's a movie that succeeds in spite of itself. You know, it's such a troubled production. It's chaos on paper. This movie should not function. It's virtually plotless. Right. Um, you know, it's like we need to raise money by doing a sh- by putting on a show, and then that we have they, to do legally. Like, and the, then there's a that's that's it. That's the end of the plot. Yeah, and then there's a car chase, and the movie's over, <laughs> and, <laughs> and like nothing the about this should work. And we call it a day. Yeah, and I think some of it comes from the fact that like like it was overwritten and then pared down. You know, and oh, so. Sure. The 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 screenplay supposedly I think it was Landis. The screenplay was so long he actually had it rebound with the cover of the phone book on it just to mess with <laughs> because the original screenplay I think was like three hundred and twenty four pages. Like Ackroyd had written like this huge elaborate backstory for who they were and how they got there and why they were the way they were and where the car came from and all this stuff and. So and, how did we never get a prequel? How did no one ever try? How did Ackroyd not try to cash in on that? Well, I mean, you know, he I think he tried. I mean, he tried to get I think you know Blues Brothers off the ground for a long time, and I and I, I like a sequel, but I I think that it was also you know Belushi died you know what in eighty one or eighty one or eighty two, yeah, and so you know he didn't really live long enough for them to make a true sequel, and so I think for a long time, um. There, I mean, there was just, you know, it was just a non-starter for him. Like, sure. it was, how do you do? You know, how, you know, you know. There's, there's. I guess that's the that's the advantage of this property. There's only one movie that stars Lou Costello by himself for a reason, <laughs> right? But I guess, I guess that's the advantage of him. Like, I guess owning the property is unlike, I don't know what was it? Oh, Dumb and Dumber. Yeah, like, wasn't the the there was that weird prequel that was in there that yeah Dan Aykroyd could say no, we're not doing that. Like we're not doing the we're not casting two people that kind of look like us when we were younger. Yeah, 
you know so right. I, I that's that's kind of an advantage but i agree like there's i feel like when we get to blues brothers 2000 and there's a missed opportunity there we'll get into that yeah but there's a lot of interest like things that, that they don't do that i feel like they could have done given the information we had from this one but if there's enough for a third movie i mean you know i don't think accurate well i guess they're working on i'm just su- i'm just surprised it hasn't been rebooted i mean even up until this day with uh yeah sure. chris hemsworth is one of them or something you know what i mean like the, yeah. how they do with <laughs> the prequels i'm really surprised they haven't uh cashed in on that if if he has the story written and he's been sitting on it but i'm sure that he does I, you know i wonder accurate i feel like is one of those guys that when knock on wood when he passes away there's going to be like Oh, I had seven Ghostbusters movies written, ready to go. <laughs> or I had, I had like five more of these. I had two more Conehead. Like, I feel like there's going to be like they're going to open the vault like um, uh, Marcellus Wallace's case, and it's just going <laughs> to start glowing with all of these different scripts. Yeah, but um, I also think that most of them probably aren't going to be very good. I mean, as much as no, a- I, I agree. As much as as Ackroyd has has done some amazing things, he's also done a lot of really bad things Real, like you really know, bad things i mean you know you got the coneheads movie and nothing I, but I, trouble coneheads to me gets and, a pass nothing don't you do not disparage the name of nothing but trouble that movie's awful i, <laughs> and, I love that movie and uh it's so bonkers it's dr. so bonkers De- dr detroit like yeah, i mean he you know he's a, i mean he was re- and, and then in his defense dr detroit i believe was the first movie he made after Belushi died, and so oh, he was sure. kind of a little rudderless, like he just didn't know what to do, and and uh, and then he makes Doctor Detroit, and that really tanks, and then uh, and then his next movie is Trading Places, and then that kind I mean, of come on, yeah, I mean, but and that's great, but it really has not a whole lot to do with him. <laughs> it does not. It does not. Uh, yeah. Jamie Lee Curtis and Eddie Murphy; those are the two. Yeah. Uh, Two plus sides of that movie. <laughs> yeah, oh, I thought you were going to mention two other plus sides. Yeah, <laughs> I said Jamie Lee Curtis. Well, I know, but <laughs> yeah. So, um, uh, but yeah, let's dig into this actual movie itself. This, this, this is, uh, you know, this is one of those ones that um, I I've seen a, a bunch of times, but never really, I guess, like sat down and watched. This is, I, I'm just trying to like in the in the Landis universe i guess like that's this is kind of like his his coming out party so um we're introduced to jake and elwood blues and jake is getting out of jail and of course uh who do we see giving jake the property but uh uh, frank oz frank oz who is a staple in almost all of landis's movies he's always showing up which i just like it's one of those weird crossovers that like they must be buddies yeah in real life so it's just like every time you see a landis movie or you're gonna see frank oz uh um, i always love when frank oz pops up and stuff like stuff that he doesn't direct you yeah. know because and then he great. talks to you like it's fozzy bear like yeah. his voice is fozzy bear like, <laughs> yeah that's, that was his know. natural speaky voice yeah. <laughs> yeah right uh so they get out of jail and they are it's just they're told oh they're just going back home and i do like where they're going back and forth in the car and for whatever reason, I always thought that they t- they both talked to each other in like that monotone voice. I don't know why that clicked in my head, but they don't. Like it's just like two brothers having a conversation. Dan Aykroyd lays on the thickest Chicago accent he possibly can, where Belushi's just like, "No, I'm not doing that. Like that's, <laughs> I'm, not, <laughs> yeah. I'm not putting that accent on." So just kind of going back and forth uh, about he sold the what know, the they, Cadillac they sold the, to get the, the cops sold the Cadillac to get a microphone. To get a yeah, microphone, and then yeah. They had to pay some money to get the cat to get the cop car, and uh, and it looks like just a piece of junk. <laughs> it's an old cop car, like it's an old beat up cop car that looks like it was in like roller or uh, like not roller just derby, but um, demolition derby. Called? Demolition derby, yeah, yeah. Um, so they go back to the orphanage where they were raised because they're orphans, and we see the nun, this nun who kind of tells them, "Look, we're gonna lose this." orphanage it's going to get transferred over to the transferred to the board of education if we can't come up with five grand and i do love how blue she's like yeah we'll get you five grand right now not a problem yeah <laughs> she's like no i have to get it legally and he was like oh oh hmm. can't help you see you that later <laughs> this this to me is like some of them like landis i always feel like was was really good at one point at throwing in like some vaudeville slapstick so the 
the two brothers just keep cussing. Literally slapstick. Literally slapstick. <laughs> yeah. yeah. They, <laughs> uh, so the two brothers keep cussing, and of course the nun, they, every time the nun hits them, they cuss again. It's just like this back and forth for like two minutes of them just getting hit by this nun, and it works in this movie. When it comes back later in the next one, it's it falls flat. Like there's just nothing oh, there. Yeah, I totally. I, I I don't agree. You agree that it works? I thought it was hilarious when she whips out that metal extension rod. <laughs> like I, I thought that was a great callback. I enjoyed it. That well, that's all that movie yeah. is we'll, is callbacks. We'll get so. to you. Right, exactly. Uh, that's uh, the problem. So yeah, so they find they're like, what well, we don't know what to do. So they both decide we're just gonna get the band back together. Uh, and the next hour of this movie is them trying to get uh their old band back together so they've got to go it's the muppet movie it is kind of the muppet movie i feel like whenever you see a movie where they're getting a crew together this is this is where you get the phrase getting the band back together from i don't i mean yeah you know like it's you know it's just i mean i guess maybe a movie did this before i mean getting your crew together for, you know for a big mission uh, you know isn't a new thing. I mean, Seven Samurai did it, but but the Muppet <laughs> movies before this and this is the exact same thing. Wait, is it before this? I'm trying yeah. to think. Oh, I guess it is. Yeah, yeah I guess Muppet, Muppet movies before this, and that's it's the same plot of getting everyone back together. So I'd say they pretty much copied that, you know, plot. Yeah, I mean, the Muppet movie came out in '79, so like I, I mean, they were essentially in production at the same time. You know what I mean? So a year but, apart. I mean, yeah, but either way, either way, yeah. Uh, and the Muppets were on SNL. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, there we go. Yeah. Do they go get the maitre d'? Any, it doesn't matter. They're just going around and picking up their guys. Uh, so I are all their guys the... real blues musicians then? What's that? I thought so. Are all the guys in their band real life famous blues musicians? Um, they're, they're real life. The most of them are like session, like ring, like session musician ringers. They weren't necessarily, they weren't blues legends. But if um, you were a blues guy though, these guys would be, you would have heard them on stuff that you listened to. Yeah. Like I think two of them were in blood, sweat and tears for a while. Although if you, if, if you ever want to just make yourself laugh, go look at the list, go to Wikipedia, look up blood, sweat and tears and look okay. at the list of people who were in it. <laughs> There's like literally been like 150 people who've been in that band over the years, but they were in the band when it was relevant, you know? Okay. Um, sure. And then I think a couple others, I think were in the SNL band. Um, house band which is a you know smoking band but uh paul schaefer is original was originally the keyboard player but he couldn't do the film because he was uh attached to uh, gilda radner was doing a show on broadway and they were turning it into a live film and he was attached to that and so he couldn't go be in the film which is how you get the keyboard player who's in the movie is it supposed to be paul schaefer well don't worry we get paul schaefer later oh i'm worried uh but (laughs) one of the things that i didn't that didn't work for me in this movie and the next one is all these like i felt like they were winking at me cameos of like getting the band together and, and all these people like i don't know blues musicians so i just felt like it was like especially the next one but is like you know what I mean? That doesn't work for me when they pick them up and they're like, oh, let's join. Like there was nothing exciting about that to me because I don't think you're supposed you're not supposed to know. I think who these who the members of the Blues Brothers band are like those aren't supposed to be like fun cameos. The fun cameos are, you know, James Brown is as the preacher and mm-hmm. Ray Charles at the music store sure. and, and Aretha Franklin at the diner. Right. Yeah. Aretha Franklin. And, and is it Bo Diddley playing guitar on the street? Like yeah. th- those are the. Those are, are, you know, Cab Calloway at the end, like those, those are the, uh, um, sure, you know, are the, are the cameos, the band themselves is basically, they cast actual musicians at, instead of having it overdubbed. And that, and that's also why some of the acting from them is, is pretty wonky, but they're not asked to do a whole lot, <laughs> sure, but they sure. wanted real playing up there on that stage, you know? Yeah. So do they go to the maitre d first? Is that who the first guy they go after? Because like the, the, I think they said like if we can get him, the rest will kind of fall into place. So they go to this uh, very posh uh, restaurant, and of course there's the maitre d, and he's like, oh no, 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 not, I'm not doing this again. I'm making good money. And they're like, nope, that's fine. This is very uh, Beverly Hills Cop, 
where they're like, nope, it's fine. They go in and they, of course, just start re- not wreaking havoc, but making life very difficult uh, for so the like, patrons. Like, we're going to eat here every day until you say <laughs> yeah. yes. Yeah. <laughs> we'll do breakfast, lunch, and dinner here. And he was like, all right, fine, fine, I'll go. Get a young Paul Rubens here. Uh, Paul Rubens, yeah. Paul Rubens was, yeah. the, uh, was the waiter. Oh, I didn't notice uh, Paul this, Rubens. Wow. In that scene. Yeah, he's the waiter who walks up with the, the Dom Perignon. And I do love yeah, where he's like, okay. that's the wrong glass. He's like, I don't care. Yeah. A, just like, whatever. A, <laughs> pre, a pre-Pee-Wee Paul Rubens, yeah. Yes, that's right. That's right. Um, and it's kind of like, the, I think the other big the other big get here is their guitar player, who is, I think it's Mike or Mark Murphy. Matt. Um, Mac. Matt. Matt uh, Murphy. Matt Murphy. Who is you know working in a diner, and of course he immediately sees the boys walk in, and he well he hears their order. So uh, Elwood Dan Aykroyd orders just toast, white toast. That's it. And uh, the uh, Belushi orders like the fried chicken. Just from their order, uh, he knew who they were, and of course he comes out. He orders four full fried chickens, yeah, four right. fried yeah, chickens right, and right. a coke. And an order of dry white. I chicks. like how she's like, "Do you want wings or thighs?" And he's like, four, four fried chickens, <laughs> fried chickens, <laughs> and a coke." There's actually a Blues Brothers tribute band called Four Fried Chickens and a Coke. Four fried chickens. Oh, nice. That's great. Um. So yeah. So of course, uh, Matt immediately knows who it is. He comes out, and Aretha Franklin's like, "Oh no, we are not doing this." Uh. Well, I got oh, okay. How? What? I forgot the James Brown cameo. Where they go to the Baptist church, uh, because that's where Cab Calloway told them to go. That's where he gets the and Belushi the inspiration sees the light. Yeah, and he's like, "That's what we got. That's what we have to do to raise this money." Um, so Aretha Franklin breaks into respect. Think, there's no she's she's you better. Oh, think it is think. What yeah, you're yeah, doing yeah. Because yeah. Matt's like, "Yeah, I'm out of here. I'm not." You know, uh, he realized, and of course, the I love the trump trumpet player or the the trombone player who's like watching from the background and then just like takes his hair down. And all of a sudden he's like standing on the, there's a lot of scenes yeah. that I, if this was a straight up musical, I would hate this movie. Right. <laughs> it has but, this weird way of pulling it off without being fantasy sequences, but also being completely unrealistic. I it's, it's completely unrealistic. It's, I mean, like I said, on paper, nothing about this movie should, should work. No, you're yeah. absolutely yeah. You're totally right. When you if you I was very confused, <laughs> not having seen it before, because I'm like, what type of movie is this? Yeah, you know, like yes. I, to answer your question, Kevin. Yes, but you know what it did do is I thought, wow, it would be really fun to go to that church. <laughs> I don't know, like <laughs> like that's like the it just looked like they were all having a crazy time and doing flips through the aisle, like you know, like it made it look like holy cow, what an insane thing to be at you know it's uh it's weird when we get to the second one where it's like oh they just all right we're just doing the same same flips same yeah i mean yeah brutal uh so yeah so they they get the the maitre d they get matt they get the the rest of the uh, yeah they break in and then aretha franklin's like you better think about this before you walk out that door and he's like cool and grabs his guitar and just walks out the door and of course the, the the trumpet player is sitting on the on like the the counter and she's like all right you can go too and he just like jumps up like a lost puppy and takes <laughs> Who's off Who's working that. at that cafe anymore? Right. <laughs> nope, Aretha Franklin. That's it. All her all her people left. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Um so yeah, so they get the band back together and they're traveling across to uh like pimp this show basically. They ha- we have to get people in for the show. They do this hilarious thing where they show up at this uh, like country western bar, and I feel yeah, like this, this is, is kind of classic. the iconic scene of the movie. Yeah. Uh, besides the car chase, like the car chase is insane. It's crazy. Like that might be one of the best car chases I've ever seen, because uh, it's all practical. There's nothing. They're not pulling any punches with that with that car chase. Uh, you you have downtown. to appreciate how many cars they destroyed. A hundred and three, oh, without question. 103. It was a record at the time. It stood until Blues Brothers 2000. They yeah. wreck 100. Yeah. They wreck 104. <laughs> Gross. That's yeah. Yeah. Uh yeah. So it's it that the car chase is, is just insane. Um so they get to this country western bar and I love the the guy's like, "What kind of music do you want us to play?" And she's like, "Well, two kinds, country yeah. and western." He's like, "All right. Uh <laughs> we'll have to figure figure that out." Uh 
I that's another thing I don't think you'll ever see anymore is like the 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 band behind the the chicken wire fence. Yeah. Which I don't think is the thing anymore. You know, like I just feel like that's a very 60s 70s thing where you're in a bar you're like, yeah, you got to stand behind this chicken wire. It's the only thing that's going to protect you from these glass bottles that they're going <laughs> to they are going to <laughs> hurl at you. Uh so they get up there and they start doing a blues song and of course the crowd turns on them immediately. And they realize we've got to do okay, we got to do something. So they do the theme from Rawhide. <laughs> right. Which <laughs> is like the only I mean win them over. Which is great cuz Rawhide was this huge hit show from you know the 50s from like late 50s early 60s and it's the you know it's going to be like one of two country songs that they know. You know. Right. Like they're Right. So they do it and of course they win the crowd back. And then they're just like, uh, can't stand by your or stand by your man. And of course, that wins them over big time. And you've got all of the the couples that are together. And I love the one guy who's like crying by himself, crying, just, you know, <laughs> tears into his beer. Um, so they kill. They slay. The show works out great. And then the, the bar owner comes up and he's like, yeah, uh, you owe me. And of course, the, the both the Blues Brothers are like, uh, what? He's like, yeah, for the, you know. For the beer for that all the you beer. drank, like you Which, owe me. This is something clubs do to bands a lot. Like that's is it really? <laughs> that's a real thing. Yeah. Oh man, mm. uh, that's that's crazy. Bands. Yeah. And he, the guys are just like, yeah. Those. He's like, I just thought that they were, you know, on the house. He's like, no, no, no. Those are those were not on the house. So they're actually going to come out in the red. Uh, on a hundred bucks. A hundred bucks. Yeah, for two beers. Like, I only see them drink two beers. No, if you look at the stage, it's littered with beer. (laughs) Oh, okay, okay. That makes more sense. Did we mention yet that Carrie Fisher is, like, attacking Jake? Oh, no, yes. She's she's constantly trying to murder Jake. (laughs) Which I thought was a hilarious subplot. I did see her, and I was like, oh, man. So are we in the middle of Star Wars at this? We are in the middle of Star Wars. This movie, Blues Brothers, opened the same day. As Empire Strikes Back. <laughs> okay. They would That's never <laughs> let that happen today. No. Absolutely not. We have the Hangover 4 up against uh, the new uh, the new Star Wars movie. They're like, mm, we're going to move uh, Hangover 4. That's Well, not only for. that, but she's in both movies. They would never let That's two true. major movies oh, with, the, with the same major actor open simultaneously. Today. I don't know, though, because Didn't I remember there was Didn't we do something a... like that? They did. There was a movie that had like two Ryan Reynolds movies or something open. There was a weird thing where it was like, wow, he's in both the new movies this weekend. I do remember it. Yeah, it, yeah. It, I'm trying to. There was one and it was like, did one get held for a while and they finally put it out or something? Or I can't. I wish yeah. I remembered because I didn't look it up or anything. But I do recall that it was but weird. That they, it was... But that would be almost impossible to achieve yeah. today. For Was it know, was it life in Deadpool 2? It might. There was something I can't remember. I really can't. Yeah, because there was also a reason where it was like it might have been because it was like he was barely in life. And oh yeah, yeah I yeah. think those were both February movies. I yeah. do think that sounds familiar now. Or okay. it might maybe they were like weekend after one another. I don't remember. Yeah. Um, but did did you guys uh, mention? I can, when I froze up earlier. Did you mention the the mall? Did they build all that to destroy, or was it like an old mall? So it was an old mall that had been uh, abandoned. Uh, okay. Or closed. Been dressed, closed for, for a year, up. and and then they they yeah they they rented it and dressed up they went out and they bought a bunch of all all the like the toys and stuff that you see yeah. like that's uh those are they had to go all and buy all that stuff right. just to make the mall look okay. like i wonder mall. why their budget was so insane <laughs> well also they literally had a line item in their budget for cocaine so there was that <laughs> no way yeah they they had budgeted for coke in the film, yes. Jeez, I you know wow. the 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 thing that's impressive about this movie. I mean, because we already talked about the cop cars, now we're talking about the the malls. Like, what blew me away was the amount of destruction, just pure destruction, yeah. without obviously any CG type of stuff. It's all practical, but they're really destroying things like when it comes to a mall i mean it makes sense you're like okay well it had to be an abandoned mall but like you said like those stores were full they had products they had to go out and buy stuff to destroy and it just seems so i guess wasteful it's like the fact that they (laughs) they just did so they spent so much money on stuff to then destroy it um it's a very odd way of filmmaking i mean it made for some interesting shots but i just can't see them today ever doing no it would never that, it would never you know happen. yeah no. yeah they actually would... 
they had to film a lot of the car chase stuff twice because um like they had a got special permission to to dry to film uh driving over 100 miles an hour in Chicago and so wow. they they I think they were allowed to shoot to do two runs at that speed and that they um uh they filmed it once they didn't have any extras around cuz it was you know they were like well that could be dangerous and mm-hmm. they ended up having to go get extras and refilm it because they were driving so fast that sure. it looked fake they like it looked <sighs> like they took something and sped it up because there was not there there wasn't anything like for reference oh nothing relative to yeah. It, yeah and so so they ended up having to reshoot a lot of the car stuff with with people in the background just for for some <laughs> oh some reference God. points so you could see that they were really driving that fast so do you know okay, when when Aykroyd and Belushi are in the car and they're like hanging their heads out the windows and stuff like I don't I mean it looked like it meshed pretty well but there's no way they were really driving that fast right in a real car like was I, that with a I I'm video? not saying they didn't do any of the driving but I I would you know, I'm not sure, but I would think they almost had to be using stunt drivers for most. I of that. couldn't imagine, yeah. but but I mean, it looked it looked actually really good when they were like, uh, you know, the, it's the front of the car windshield, and they're like in the car and sticking their head out the windows yeah. and stuff. Like it didn't look like a Lucy and Desi driving down the street behind, you know, video screen behind them. It looked, I mean, they <laughs> yeah. did a really good job. Yeah, I don't think they did. I mean, I think that they were probably really capturing that, but like maybe that's ed- that was probably edited into the stunt driving. It just was done really well, so it felt organic you know yeah I, mean? I wonder if they were driving at like 30 miles an right. hour, which still looked well because or fast because they were so zoomed in sure to just them and then they zoom out to 100 miles an that's hour what i'm again, thinking yeah it just it looked really real and I, i'm like wow kudos to them if they really you know were able to capture them driving and doing those you know because again today with liability i mean they would never let a-list actors yeah. do that kind of stuff no. and, and Ackroyd's Ackroyd's a car nut so you know yeah. like he you know like that was part of the like in the did you watch the theatrical cut or the uh or the director's cut or the extended I'm version I'm sure it was theatrical so both these were on stars okay the uh the extended oh. version isn't radically different but there's a couple other scenes there's a scene where Dan Ackroyd uh qu- where Elwood quits his job it's like the only time i think you see him oh, without Oh okay a... then i wa- what that was in the which cut that's that's the extended then that's the one that i saw okay and that's the only time you see him without his glasses on i believe and uh, it was weird <laughs> yeah and um and then there's also a scene where he pulls the car you see him park the car like in this really tight uh like alleyway or something and yeah it does like it does like a 360 yeah and like originally i don't think that's in the theatrical cut but originally like he had this whole thing about this whole subplot about how they take the car and they park it but they park it next to like a transformer station for chicago electric and then and then somehow that supercharges the car and then that's why the car can do all these crazy flips and stuff and like he had i was wondering why it was jumping over things like that yeah like and so like he had this whole like storyline for that and like and and it was in the script and they and they started to film some of it and then they stopped and he's trying to explain this to landis and landis is basically like yeah how about it's just a magic car (laughs) (laughs) there you go yeah that works we'll go with that it's a lot easier it's already a two hours it's over two hours right yeah it yeah uh well i was i was wondering about you know i i know that it's like part of their character and has definitely become it but i was wondering if they always kept their glasses on because they were all coked up oh (laughs) so you don't see their bloodshot eyes at all no that's what they got visine for they got ways around that. They're not the first people to make a movie <laughs> yeah. coked up. Oh, okay, I just, I just. Robin didn't Williams know if, wouldn't like... have had a career if, <laughs> if <laughs> yeah, that's, that's all it took to keep you, you out get, of a movie. You get bloodshot eyes with coke? I think so. I don't know. I feel yeah. like I feel like if you do, I mean, if you're like on a, a you know, constant a bender. Yeah, I feel like your eyes get pretty bloodshot, and you can tell. But... <laughs> yeah, I guess maybe that's probably true. Anyway, it's, I don't it's know. It's also it's crazy to look at Belushi. It's one of those things where you look at Belushi and you know. Uh, how much of an influence on Farley he was mm-hmm. because everything Farley did. If you look at Tommy Boy or everything, uh, I don't think where Belushi, I feel like, wanted to be like a serious actor. Farley had no interest in that. Farley, uh, you know, I think 
I mean, it was Lauren Michaels. Somebody said that, like, I know this is sacrilege to say, but Farley was funnier than Belushi because Farley doubled down on the comic. Farley wanted to be a comedian where Belushi kind of had aspirations to be a serious actor. Um, but just in like his mannerisms and his, the way that he moves, like the, the scene in the mm-hmm. church where he's doing the, not him doing the backflips, obviously, but like when <laughs> Belushi lands for that Farley's Farley's backflips took a lot of influence from Belushi's backflips. There's a I, lot I will of, note phys- that. yes, there's yeah. a lot of, phys- just, just in the way that he would deliver lines and everything. Yeah. Uh, Tom, I was saying that I, somebody had said that Farley was actually funnier than Belushi because Farley wanted to be a comedian. And Belushi didn't not 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 that Belushi didn't want to be a comedian, but he wanted to be like a legit actor. Oh, so I see. Farley would double down on the comedy, and he was just funnier than Belushi was naturally. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. know. He's building on what Belushi built, though. Too, you know what I mean? He is. I, I I'm just repeating what like somebody had said. Yeah. Like I mean, I know. could I definitely could see that. I I can see the influence for sure from Belushi. But God, nobody had that energy level, like that manic energy level, to match Farley. Oh, like that. That, oh yes, I, that I, dude I, was next level. I think, and Farley definitely had the manic energy. Don't get me wrong, but I, th- I think with Belushi, he had this way of like he could be still, but still have that manic energy. You know what I mean? Mm. Like for sure. a, for a performance that's pretty monotone, like mm-hmm. he is magnetic, and yeah. yeah. That's like how do you walk that line between I'm going to be really monotone, I'm not going to over emote, I'm going to be really deadpan, and I'm going to hide my eyes, and still, like he's just he's got this energy that's just always bristling under the surface that you know is about ready to explode, which is what makes the musical number so great, is because that's when he finally gets to do it, and mm-hmm, then, right. and then you're off to the races, and it just really makes those numbers pop in a way that you know and and that's that's part of the hook right is they they're they're you know they're you know they're they're overly formal and they've got the suits and the sunglasses and and they come they come on stage even as a sketch they come on stage so so like just super serious and then it's just boom and it's crazy time Mm -hmm. yeah i think i i think of that scene in animal house where the 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 yuppie is playing guitar yeah on the stairs and he's just he is so like he's very chill and then he just he snaps and it's hilarious and he gives the guy back the guitar and just goes back to being chill so like it's almost that guitar player is uh is that guitar player is steven bishop who sang the the theme to tootsie and he sang uh um uh what was uh on and on the down in jamaica they got lots of pretty women and he also Saying that's him doing the falsetto version of Animal House in Animal House. Oh, really? Yeah, that's funny. He almost got his head taken off in that he scene. Did. Like if, yeah. if Belushi swings that thing a centimeter lower, that guy does not have a career anymore. Yeah, uh, that was supposed so yeah, to be so they, a very <laughs> SNL Animal House. Real quick, was supposed to be a very SNL driven film. D D Day was supposed to be Dan Aykroyd, and then oh, I could see that. And then uh, uh, what's the other, the main guy's name? Uh, God dang it, I'm blanking on it. But uh, Tim Matheson character was Tim su- was supposed to be Chevy Chase, and so oh, it that was, makes complete sense. Yeah, so it was supposed to be, and then uh, and this and the studio wanted Chevy Chase, but uh, Landis didn't, and so um, they kind of uh, they I guess kind they never worked together, did they? They kind of I think Landis kind of convinced him to not take that role, and so then Chevy Chase went and made the movie uh, Foul Play instead. Oh, I like that movie. It, that was I mean it, it has not gone on to to live on in our consciousness in the way that Animal House has, but yeah. it was absolutely a big hit. And Chevy Chase wanted to be like he didn't want to be he kind that's how they kind of talked him out of it is like they they like reverse psychology to him they were like <laughs> they were like it's gonna be great we're gonna get all the snl guys back together it's gonna be you and Aykroyd and belushi and it'll be just like being on the show again and and with chevy chase you know i don't know if you know this he has an ego and <laughs> i had no idea and he wanted to be a movie star he wanted to be a real honest to god movie star and so he didn't want to go slumming it in in a movie like this and so <sighs> It, you know, and be around a bunch of other SNL people. He was a he wanted to be in real Hollywood movies, and so like, th- like the Three Amigos. 
Well, I mean, eventually he gets past that. He gets past that because he makes a oh heavenly dog, and he and then all of a sudden Caddyshack makes a lot more sense to him. Yeah, yeah right, right. Uh, so yeah, so they get the band. They they've got they're they're going around. They're they're papering this whole town with flyers, uh, and they they have this. You know, the the cops are on their tail, which is just re- like I love the amount of police officers that police officers national all of the above are chasing down right. the blues brothers and there's throughout nazis town. chasing them illinois nazis the not yeah because they met they mess up the nazi uh parade which i thought was great uh anytime you can throw some nazis into the drink the better um well that's based on a real thing you know that right yes i did yeah yeah okay yeah um so yeah it's it, it becomes this like this massive road chase movie and so the the Blues Brothers get there on time. They get there late because, of course, while they're papering the town, they run out of gas. Uh, so they get to the, they do the gig, and everything's going perfect. And now they've got to they make uh, all of this money. And I think it's hilarious where the guy's like, you know, that's the greatest thing I've ever seen. And you guys were amazing. And he gives them the he's like, we just need the five grand. Give uh, the rest of it to this thing, and then give the rest of the band. And he was like, okay. Um. So they get out. They now it's a race to get to the the city assessor's office in Chicago because they have a deadline, right? Like they have to get there by like five o'clock at this time. Well, now they're being now this is where the chase is insane. Like they're yeah. being chased by every human being in the city of Chicago. Uh, the the build on this is great. Like I mean, like. I think so many movies, when they want to have this epic car chase, they just go straight to the epic car chase where right. these guys have been picking up enemies throughout the film. So by the end, like you said, it's it's the cops and it's the Nazis and it's the guys from Bob's Country Bunker. And it's, <laughs> yeah. you know, it's like it's and then they call out the National Guard and it's it's just, it just keep there's just a it just keeps building do you think this created that i mean there's a lot of movies where you know in comedies they run into people along the way and then all of a sudden they're all chasing them like this i wonder if it was the first to do that no i don't think so i think that's i think so i yeah i mean i'm trying to think and nothing's jumped but but i mean i I feel like that's a fairly kind of established thing and kind of like in like you know kind of wacky yeah. comedies but it's, it's yeah it's a trope for sure where you've seen yeah. it a lot and i just wondered i i can't remember an earlier one but again unless you know that fact i just was thinking oh maybe it is the first but it's, I mean, it is always funny honestly i mean uh it's a mad 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 world kind of does it like that's yeah. you know it's oh, kind of sure they do yeah absolutely. it's kind of doing that uh so yeah so now they're they get to the they get to this assessor's office and it's a it's a running gag where they're constantly blocking the doors uh with different stuff and they're running through the halls and uh, they get up to the city assessor's office. Just you know, he's, he'll be back in five minutes. Like that's yeah. the sign of the door. So they're stuck waiting. And then who is the city assessor? But Steven, Steven Spielberg. Spielberg. <laughs> uh, and he's like, the guys are just like, here's this is for the the church. And he's like, okay. And he hands them the you know he takes the money. He gives them the receipt. And then as soon as they get the receipt, they get put back in the clink. They both are locked up. Uh, and that's kind of how this movie ends is them just getting didn't the we cups. skip over carrie fisher oh we did yeah so when they were leaving the uh the the gig yeah we find out that carrie fisher was jake blue's fiance betrothed uh and he left her and she's pissed left her at the altar left her at the altar right uh she's like i was selling all the gas and money five yeah. years or whatever <laughs> uh yeah and so that's why she, I mean, she shoots a she's rocket so launcher angry. at him. She's sniper she shoots, rifles and the flamethrower. She has an, ass, an assault rifle. Yeah, the flamethrower uh, at the phone booth. Like, and I do like the zaniness of it. I mean, we talked last week about Gremlins and especially Gremlins 2 being a live action Looney Tunes. Like in this movie, they do things where she shoots a flamethrower at a phone booth and it launches it into <laughs> yeah. the air. Like, yeah. yeah, she it's blows ridiculous. up an entire apartment building just to get to the it's, Blues Brothers. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and that's kind of how this one ends, is them going to jail, and that's, you know, you get kind of like a... And a big musical number. What's that, Tom? And a big musical number, you end with uh, Jailhouse Rock. Yes, a massive musical number, sung by uh, all of the blues people from the entire movie get their little uh, little bit pieces. Yeah. I You know, I, I've said before that my love of film come from the three Johns, uh, Landis, Hughes, and Carpenter. And this, to me, Landis, this era of Landis is untouchable. He he could do no wrong until Twilight Zone. Uh, <laughs> Oof. W- yeah. 
but like this this era of comedy is, is is my jam. Like he was the the driving force behind this these these rated R comedies. Um, and I think that you can see his progression even in this movie. There's no language. There's there's one end bomb, but it comes from Ab Calloway. Uh, yeah, and there's now I think there's isn't there one f bomb? I don't think so. I thought there was. Um, I I think so because it's it's rated R because is it rated of R language? Yeah, yeah, it's rated R. And the I think they thirteen. I think they say dick at one point. Okay, but but there's but, like but it, it's not bad overall by today's standards. This is this is PG thirteen. This is PG thirteen. Uh, you know, I mean, this is not and this is not uh for being uh you know Belushi and Aykroyd and this kind of legendary kind of like you know college comedy that they used to call them back then. It's not. It, I mean, it's practically a family film. I mean, you can watch this yeah. with your kids. <laughs> there's uh like I said, there's uh there's a couple. There's a couple cuss words, but I mean, in, unless you're really uh, that's important to you, you your kids probably heard them say it, heard it said, or heard you say it. This has nine uses of the f word and twenty five uses of the s word. Okay. Oh man, maybe I just feel like it. Mo- it, it just I don't even hear them yeah. anymore. So, I but you know, like, but so, to, so it's it's the language. I mean, that's a lot of curse words. <laughs> but to your point, Joe, to your point, yes. For the 30th anniversary of this movie, the Vatican newspaper, I don't even know how to say this, La Lesvator Romano. Oh, nailed it. Yeah. Ooh, very, uh, very good. Is that That's what I order at the Cheesecake Factory, I think. <laughs> I believe so, yeah. And it's, uh, but it's, it's the, it's a Vatican newspaper and it called the film a Catholic classic and recommended it as good viewing for Catholics. I mean, what? They are helping they're helping to save yeah. an orphanage. Oh my god. Wow, they yeah. must be desperate. You know, like they're <laughs> they must legally. be desperate for movies. Well, I mean, well, they are, Kevin. <laughs> they are. They are. When when movies like Spotlight come out, you're like, we got to get something. Can we get some sort of wholesome thing? Oh my god. Just because they're like, yes, let's go and do this legally earn this money. They recommend this movie. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> oh my you know, god. Pope John Paul II's like, did you see The Exorcist? We have to do something. We've got to do something. We are behind the eight ball. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think this is a fantastic movie. I think it's fun. I think it's ridiculous. I think it's goofy. Uh, this is uh, an interesting follow-up to Animal House. It's It would not what I would consider a traditional follow-up to uh probably one of the greatest comedy rated r comedies of all time uh but it's i think it's fantastic this movie is so much fun yeah it is it's 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 really good so i'm glad i've seen it i i I just think uh you know the blues stuff kind of it just doesn't do it for me and so um I, i i enjoyed it i'm glad i've seen it i don't know that i would go back to it but i can i was impressed by the uh the uh destruction in the car chase sequences absolutely yeah i mean wild crazy car chases were definitely a hallmark of 70s cinema i know this is technically 1980 but it's you know it's still in that kind of yeah parenthetical movement so but uh but anyway well uh yeah no blues brothers is is, it's a lot of fun i'm it's interesting to see how it works for someone like obviously uh, you know Mm -hmm. joe and i both bring nostalgia to it because we've been watching it for years so um it's interesting to see how someone takes it who who is not coming at it with the prism of nostalgia. I th- you know and I think we'll get into it next episode even more so because they do more of it but when they do musical performances since I'm not that into blues music like I don't when I'm watching a movie I don't want to watch I don't want to watch a music video. I don't oh, care sure. about their blues performances because I don't care about that type of music. Again, and that maybe care is in the right word. I just I don't enjoy it like I don't It's not your jam. I don't seek it out. Yeah, so when they each time they bust into a musical performance, I feel like I'm watching a music video and it's like I'm there for the car chases for the comedy and so the more they do that the more I get turned off by the movie because that to me isn't what I go see movies for so um, you know I love musicals but in musical there's a lot of dancing and singing like when in these movies when they do blues performances they're on a stage with instruments you know it's just literally like 
like a live performance. They're capturing a live performance. E- even if it's not on a stage, like in the music store, it's still them capturing a live performance. Yeah, they're not doing the the church scene was the closest to a musical when they're because they're oh, yeah, people are time. choreographed dancing, flips down the aisle. I think that that one in the diner. The, well but but again but the diner, but then also the music store, it, all the dancing spills out into the street and they have that huge giant crowd out there. That's true. No, that yeah. stuff is fine. Yeah. But it's just when they're on a stage performing, I'm just like I, you know what am I I'm just watching them I'm watching a Blues Brothers music video like right. I don't I don't want musical sequences like that I want uh, I would rather have more of the music store and the church and all that so right. I think that was my biggest turnoff to the movie but yeah the comedy the chemistry uh, between the two of them I mean yeah it was really good but I get what you're saying when I go back and watch a Marx Brothers movie or an Abbott and Costello movie I almost always end up fast forwarding through the musical numbers yeah exactly like um there were times i mean yeah we'll get into it next time but there were times where i mean i just straight up fast forwarded through the musical numbers because i didn't (laughs) care like i'm like these aren't adding to the story they're literally like i could youtube a music video of this song and just watch them perform it i i don't it's a waste of time like for the movie wise i'm not getting anything from it so yeah well, it doesn't. It doesn't help that those musical numbers in the next one are so bad. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, they're they're not bad, but they're but they're not what you get. <laughs> but you're not. But some of them are atrocious. Don't get me wrong. But some of them are aren't awful. But they're not what you get in this. So right. But That's uh, true. yes. But so we will tackle that next time with what you have to look forward to. Blues Brothers two thousand. So uh, until then, where can people find you guys? You can follow me on the Twitter at Joey Butts B U T T S twenty one. This is Kevin. Follow me on Twitter at Kevin R. Brackett. And this is Tom. You can follow me on Twitter at Roger Kubert or on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Tom O'Keefe. You can find the show online, Facebook.com slash Real Spoilers. While you're there, like the page, join the group, and of course, uh, check out our Patreon, Patreon.com slash Real Spoilers. So that's it for this one, as you've been warned. Coming up next time, we will tackle Blues Brothers 2000. Until then, Randolph has a heart attack. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.